Israel is a land of diverse cultures, religions, foods, music and people. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he explores the devout and divine, the off the wall and outrageous and everything in between. Right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 Hi FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the new Blue Review. Welcome to the show. Nice to be with you this morning. How was that for a starting off piece of music? Still silenced by Edhud Banai. Super, super chill, eh? Hey? Gosh, it's not even Monday morning music. It was so out there. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. We've got a great show lined up for you today. I'm looking forward to bringing it to you as well. We're going to be talking about lots of different interesting things. Uh, in a moment, we're going to be checking out some unusual travelers to the Holy Land. Uh, if you thought that holidays were just for chilling out and sitting on the beach, you would certainly be a little bit wrong, especially if you're going to Israel. So we're going to be tracking some rather interesting uh, young ladies who are traveling through the Holy Land at the moment on a fitness regime, if you can believe such a thing. So uh, we're going to be chatting about that. Also going to be looking at beer. Yeah, beer is a is a thing. It is a thing. And we're going to be talking about a 3,000-year-old beer that was discovered in Israel, or should I say recreated. So we're talking about that. Um, then on top of that, we're also going to be uh, looking at some more serious issues, this issue of the fires in Israel and the South African connection uh, around there. We're going to be checking out what's been going on with that as well. So uh, lots going on on that side of things. Um and uh, also an article that I saw in today's Elgaminer um about an anti-Semitism conference in in Malamo in Sweden which I thought was a uh, quite a profound piece a useful piece of writing as well as one that I recently saw uh, about um speaking up for Israel on campus so we're going to be chatting about those two as well so that's what's coming up on the show by the way, what do you think of the state of the political world? Do you know at the moment, I was, I didn't understand this, but, uh, we are currently being run in South Africa by a one-man dictatorship. Did you know that? I had no idea until now. So it's a sort of quirk of our constitution that when the president, uh, is sworn in, as soon as he's sworn in according to the constitution, then the whole former cabinet, the whole former cabinet, then is dissolved, right, until you form a new cabinet. Now, uh, that shouldn't have been too much of a problem because it was over a weekend, so what was going to happen before now anyway. And uh, this morning, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa was supposed to be announcing the new cabinet for South Africa that was going to be taking our country forward. And, of course, lots of people very interested in the the cabinet because uh, of all the different people that are vying for positions and all the factional issues inside the ANC and ACE and Cyril and what's going to happen with Lindyware and all of these sorts of things. And in any case, it was supposed to be on today that he was announcing it. And now it's been delayed till some unspecified time during this week. Uh, allegedly, that has to do with the issue of uh, David Mabuzo, who's this was currently the deputy president and they were trying to get rid of him or there was an issue with the integrity commission as well as Gwen Gwede Montashe and this public protector report fingering uh, Gordon for uh, his uh, role in some retirement uh, 
issue many years ago. People thinking that this public protector is going off the reservation a little bit and, and sort of doing her own thing that's not really, um, not really in the best interest of the country. So, in any case, that's what's on the agenda. So, for the time being in South Africa, we are currently ruled by one man, just the president. So, if you have any problems, whether it's in home affairs or in um, whatever it is, uh, you just have to tweet the president because he is currently the president of everything, uh, which I kind of thought was fairly interesting. Uh, I saw even that uh, one of the ministers, just as she was leaving, she fired someone uh, in the state security department, literally as her last act. And, and now no one, and, and they've now asked for comment, and they said, look, we don't have a minister, so I can't really comment. That's <laughs> kind of funny. Anyway, so that's on that side. Of course, things in no better in Israel, because the countdown clock is ticking for Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, he has to form a coalition, how it works in Israel is that there's about a month, 28 days that you have to form a coalition. And if you haven't been able to form a coalition, then they give you uh, another two weeks after that. And Benjamin Netanyahu has used f- up his first week and a bit. I think Wednesday is his time, and he has to have formed a coalition. Big sticking point is this. Although Benjamin Netanyahu didn't get all of the votes he needed uh, to win the election, often what happens in Israeli politics, as I'm sure you know, is that you have a right-wing block forming. And the right-wing block got more than it needed over the line. The problem was was that five seats went to Lieberman's party, and Lieberman, of course, hadn't sat in the previous coalition because he didn't like Netanyahu. And without Lieberman, you don't have a majority. So Benjamin Netanyahu has been trying to get him back in, problem is is that Lieberman uh, wants to have uh, he wants to draft Haredim into the army is a big sticking point for him he's a secular party and and of course the religious parties the Haredi parties don't want that and so there is a lot of horse trading going on and trying to fix what's going on and all sorts of things and it's just driving up the price of the coalition so yeah, that is the issue that Benjamin Netanyahu has. And if by the end of the week they don't get it, well, then uh, President Rivlin may have to give the opportunity to someone else. This has happened before with Sipi Livni. Um, or uh, they may have to run a new election, if you can believe that. So uh, lots of things going on in the political world. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, super interesting. By the way, if you want to be part of the show... By all means, you can WhatsApp us, 0618951019. That's our WhatsApp line. Uh, or you can SMS us on 34519. Tweet us at, at FM, Or, uh, you know, you can even send us an email, info at com. We'll be happy to take all of your discussion points. We'd love to know, um, uh, you know, what you have to say about things and uh, what you want to know about. Stay tuned. We're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about a n- interesting trip to the Holy Land. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Benji Shulman here on 101.9 Hi FM. I am bringing you the new Blue Review this particular Monday morning. And I don't know if you're the kind of person who likes to go on holiday and sit on a beach or read a book or just sleep it out, which I think is a valid way to do a holiday. But two young South African travelers are going to Israel on a completely different basis. Because, you see, Israel in the last couple of years 
has become something of an exercise mecca. Particularly if you go to Tel Aviv, uh, you will find there people who are doing Pilates and doing yoga and running and CrossFit. There's CrossFit everywhere. Uh, there's boxing. You can do uh, various different kinds of of, of uh, versions of it. You can mix them all up together. Uh, really, uh, there is a huge amount of stuff, particularly outdoor. You know, the weather's not bad um, in Israel at the moment. It's very, very hot, in fact, uh, which is something we'll talk about in a little bit later on. But, uh, you know, it's a, a very big part of the Israeli, uh, what would you call it, lifestyle is is now exercise. Running, uh, Betty Deutsch, for example, Deutsch. Uh, she is a Haredi marathon runner who's winning all of these marathons. She's got six kids and she's a runner. Uh, and that's a huge thing. Um, you can see cyclists, outdoor gyms, climbing walls, all sorts of things. So if you want to go on a holiday and keep fit, not keep on all those pounds, because let's be honest, if you've ever gone to Israel, you will know that when you go, uh, you come back fatter than when you left. And it has to be a way to combat this. So, uh, one of the ways to do it is to make sure you're keeping fit on on the holiday. And to do this, uh, there are two young women who are actually currently visiting Israel. And they are checking it out, not only from a religious point of view or um, or from perhaps a, uh, what would you call it, uh, the normal touristy stuff, the political things, whatever you want. They are actually there on a fitness holiday. Can you believe it? So, basically, uh, the the two are uh, Mapule Nglovu. Uh, she is a trainer, and uh, she goes under the hashtag Fitness Fitness Queen. Na, fitness Queen. Uh, that's with an A. Uh, and uh, Fitness Queen. She's got an amazing story, actually, because what happened to her is that uh, she um, she. She was unemployed, basically, and she had to go to Santon for a job, but she lived in Alex. And so in order to get to her job, she started running there. She would run every single day uh, to her place of work. And because she was a, became this runner, uh, she got picked up for a fitness bursary, and now she is a personal trainer. Uh, she works with a bunch of brands, footwear brands, uh, antiperspirant brands, etc., And she's become enormously famous as uh, someone on Instagram in particular who... Um, is is travel is 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 someone who who does exercise and uh, you know weights and all sorts of things. So she is going and she's going with a friend of hers, Rory Sang Tandekiso, uh, and uh, Rory Sang is sort of local celebrity. She's been on Yo TV. She also manages Mapule's brand, uh, and the two of them are friends. And they're currently in in Israel, and they are checking out the scene there. And so if you are following them. Uh, on Instagram, which I would suggest that you do, uh, if you check out Queen Fitness with an A, uh, or Rory Sang Tandekiso, uh, you can actually see what they're doing, and they've done a whole bunch of of crazy stuff. So uh, last night I saw they were on a climbing wall. There's a climbing wall in the outdoor gym of Jeru- of, of Tel Aviv, and uh, they were actually climbing up that wall, which they seem to be doing well. This morning they went to something called Sup Yoga. What is sup yoga? Standing up paddle yoga. So as if yoga is not difficult enough. Now what they do is they paddle you out into the middle of the Tel Aviv Marina Bay on a surfboard. A large surfboard to be sure, but a surfboard nonetheless. And they tie all these surfboards together and then you do yoga in the morning 
on a surfboard. So, yeah, that's it's kind of out there. Uh, they've been going to the Israel Museum and checking out some of uh, the other sites, and uh, I'm sure we'll be doing some other things while they're there. And uh, just fascinating to see uh, South Africans go, go to Israel, do something different. And if you are looking for a bit of a fitness inspiration and you want it to come from the Holy Land, then I would definitely ch- encourage you to check out Mapule Nglovu or Rorisang Tanda Kisil uh, as they are traveling through the Holy Land today, and I'm sure uh, for the next week or so. And you can really uh, get a, a sense about how it is to travel and uh, keep active. Uh, so they even decided to run up Masada. Can you believe that? Uh, I'm very much in favor of just taking the ta- cable car personally. Uh, but there you go. So if you are into a bit, bit of fitness, if you want to see what's going on, if you want to see what it's like in Israel, I would definitely encourage you to try that out. Uh, fitness Queen or Rory San Tandagiso. Uh, yeah, so that's on that side of things. We're going to take a break and a bit of music, and we'll be back just after this. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 High FM. That was Moshe Peretz and uh, Flight 325 uh, on this Monday morning. By the way, uh, you might be feeling a bit challenged. It's a Monday morning. We're all feeling a bit challenged on a Monday morning. Uh, and in these challenging times, many people are under pressure. And for some, it can be come all too much. So where does one turn? So High FM will be starting a helpline later this year. And we're looking for compassionate, caring volunteers to train as call center counselors. If you have a background or an interest in counseling and you want to find out more, email helpline at highfm.com. Uh, High FM 101 megahertz of serving the community. So yeah, definitely a good initiative there. And if you are in that space, you should definitely consider uh, volunteering there. Now, I have to say, I have been quite buoyed is the wrong word. I would say buoyed is the wrong word, uh, but heartened in the last few weeks as I started to see some articles being written in the Jewish press around different issues, particularly the fight against anti-Semitism and uh, anti-Zionism and uh, all of these sorts of uh, maladies that uh, are, we have to deal with, uh, unfortunately, in this day and age. And, uh, you know, I think for a long time there was this perception that if we leave it, it'll go away. Uh, it's just something on the right. It's just something small on the left. It doesn't matter. But I think that over time what we found is that uh, it's obviously becoming a, a bigger problem and uh, people need to sort of face up to it and also to start to do so in – a non-partisan fashion, right? Uh, people have assumed that anti-Israel stuff is just on the left and anti-Semitism is just on the right. And so we can afford, afford to ignore one another's issues, <clears throat> excuse me, as long as, you know, it's not our politics. And what's becoming abundantly clear is that this is no longer the case. And I think particularly in America, where for a long time this was a partisan issue, uh, and I think still is, but there is coming a realization that we need to kind of figure it out on both ends of the spectrum. And this is why two articles that I've been seeing in the last while, which I thought were particularly interesting and uh, which I would encourage you to read. So the first one comes in a magazine called Mosaic Magazine. It's a website, mosaicmagazine.com. And it's written by a guy called Ari Hoffman. I'm assuming it's a guy. It's not actually clear. And uh, as a student at Stanford Law School and holds a PhD in English literature from 
Harvard uh, seems to be writing a, a bunch of books. So, you know, that's, I suppose that's what people with PhDs in English do. And uh, he's written this very interesting article called What I Learned When I Called Out an Anti-Semitic Cartoonist at Stanford Earlier This Month. And it goes on to talk about a uh, issue that this particular person had had uh, when they were arguing with a anti-Israel, anti-Semitic uh, cartoonist who um, was coming to talk us to something that I think uh, if you're a Jewish student on campus that uh, you've at all had to deal with, you will be able to sympathize with Ari Hoffman's position. And he wrote a letter about what it means and how to do it. And I think that uh, it's not a very long article, but it really is, uh, I think, quite profound in what it has to say. And uh, basically, it's the, the argument is, you're not going to stop waiting for other people to to help you out here. Stop waiting for uh, your local pro-Israel group. Stop waiting for uh, whoever it is. They're not coming to your rescue. Uh, you're going to have to do it yourself. And uh, that you have to make the right enemies. Uh, know that what you're doing is the right thing. And uh, and start making your case. And also not to make it too complicated. You know, as Jews, we like to explain this happened and that happened. And, uh, and, you know, just be kind of straightforward about the justice of the cause, which I thought was quite interesting. And then another interesting point they made was that there's not that many of you, uh, so you better be one of them, of those uh, few people. And don't be too moderate either. Uh, you know, a lot of times we spend, uh, making arguments that appeal to some moderate center, uh, but actually, Part of what you have to do is actually write the truth and write it obviously in an intelligent way so that it gets across to people. And I just thought it was a really interesting article about the simplicity and clarity of the work that has to be done on our campuses and in some of our other civic spaces if we're going to win this war. And a lot of the time, people are, are far too happy to leave this kind of job up to the Zionist Federation or to the Jewish Board of Deputies or uh, whoever it is. But actually, every single Jew has a role to play in fighting the scourge. And we really can only win uh, if we do it together, whether it's on the left or the right or whatever it is. And uh, so I thought that that was quite, quite profound. And it was backed up by an article today in the Elgemeine. Uh, Elgemeine is a daily, another daily American uh, newsletter paper. And there's an article by Ben Cohen there on the city of Malome or Malmo. Melma, I think that's how you, you pronounce it in Sweden, which has been the site of a lot of anti-Semitism in the last few years. There was a famous incident where a tennis coach, excuse me, a tennis match tournament uh, had to be, not called off, but they had to do, they had to ban all the fans basically because there were Israelis there and, and basically they had to just play it to an empty stadium because of the threats to the players. And and that's not the only thing that's happened there. There's been lots of issues of attacks on rabbis. And basically, what the point that he, Ben Cohen's making in this article is that they're bringing an anti-Semitism conference to the right place because Malamo is sort of the center of all three of the kinds of anti-Semitism that we've come to see in the last while. So it basically is emanating from three places. I would argue four in a South African context, but in general... I would say it comes from three places. The one is uh, obviously the white right and the white supremacists and the Nazis, uh, particularly being resurgent in Europe and parts of America at the moment, and uh, also tends to be, in some cases, some of the more violent kind of anti-Semitism, because these are the ones that you see being attacks on shuls, 
uh, particularly again in the States and Europe. So that is one version of it. Then you have uh, the extreme left. Uh, the extreme left is um, in anti-Semitism and um, from an Israel perspective, using anti-Zionism uh, as a cover and the issue with the Palestinians as a cover for anti-Semitism. And that is something which I think we face uh, here in South Africa probably the most. We've seen it even with our government wanting to cut ties with Israel, all of this kind of thing. Uh, so so that is that uh, aspect. And then, of course, you have uh, Islamist anti-Semitism, uh, which we I think we also have in this country, but you're also seeing uh, in Europe as well, and can also be fairly deadly uh, in the case of suicide bombers. And the point is, is that people tend to just point to the one that they want to point at, uh, as opposed to saying that these are all deadly and all problematic and all have to be fought. And they all exist in Malmo. And so Ben Cohen is saying that this is an opportunity to actually use this conference to combat them and say it loudly. All of the different types of anti-Semitism are a problem and this is how we fight it. And uh, I think that that is a powerful message. And uh, and coupled with the first article, which is basically the message that uh, it's up to us if we want to fight this thing. We have friends out there and uh, we have to use our friends and engage our friends. But at the end of the day, it's our job to fight this thing. It's our problem. And uh, we can't leave it up to anybody else. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. What do you think? How should we be fighting anti-Semitism? How do we go about doing it? What is the best way? I'd love to hear your views. 0618951019. That's WhatsApp. SMS34519. You can tweet us at ChaiFM. We're going to take some more music. We'll be back just after this. ChaiFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Benny Friedman on 101.9. A nice upbeat song. Uh, you can't help but uh, getting involved with that kind of song on uh, the show today. It's, uh, yeah, it's a good vibe. Uh, now, I wanted to bring your attention to uh, an unfolding situation or perhaps recently folded situation that's been going on in Israel, which I think is just Worth talking about uh, because it's something that happens quite often and I think uh, something which will continue to, to happen and something we're going to need to think about uh, particularly because uh, there were some fires uh, over the weekend in, in Israel as uh, temperatures in the country rocketed. It's been a real, real heat wave in the last while. Uh, there were even in sort of the cooler parts of the country highs in the 37 degrees type range, 40 degrees Really, really hot. And, of course, when it gets really hot, it gets really dry. And as a result, you have all of this uh, uh, tinder, basically, that can be uh, lit uh, if there is a, you know, if there's a problem uh, or someone you know, drops a fire or there's arson. And it's very easy to start a fire. And over the over three days, 1,000 separate fires uh, have ravaged Israel. Uh, burning almost 8,000 dunams. And, of course, we, we can't discount uh, things like climate change here, which have just pushed up um, the, the temperature, uh, which which then helps to contribute to the situation. But uh, in terms of the actual cause, it's not clear exactly what it was. So uh, authorities are investigating uh, arson as well as electrical faults, Lagba Omer, because, uh, of course, they burn fires on like Baomi, uh, incendiary uh, balloons from Gaza, as well as, as I said, arson uh, as particular po- possible causes, because uh, 1,000 firefighters had to be dispatched 
throughout the country uh, to battle the 1,000 blazes that started over a period of 41 hours. Uh, a new fire every two and a half minutes, some officials said. 13 firefighters were likely injured and more than 300 volunteers uh, in 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 the scorching temperatures. Now, uh, a lot of people actually... Uh, we're getting involved with this, uh, a lot of issues, uh, a lot of people having to, to deal with the, the question. Even overseas people actually had to come in. So the Israelis had to call for a backup, basically. And uh, with the help of nine aircraft uh, sent by five different countries, including Egypt, Cyprus, Greece, Italy, and Croatia, which collectively made 120 flights over the areas to try and douse them uh, with water. Um, despite this, 50 houses were burnt down in central Israel, including uh, homes in the village of the Mevol uh, Modim, as well as Kibbutz Harel, uh, and the communities have yet to be uh, let back in. Uh, one child was also killed on Saturday in a house fire um, as well. So all of this is going on. I see even that uh, Russia and the Palestinian Authority actually offered to give some help as well uh, to support the Israelis at the moment and uh, the Israelis sending out a thank you. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's interesting for me, this dynamic, because of course we've had fires before and the forest fires in the Galilee where there needed to be serious, serious help uh, for the Israelis and the issue of fires and arson. Uh, and one other issue which I just thought was very, very interesting is that uh, these fires were in, mostly in central Israel. So normally when you see the fires breaking out, particularly from Gaza, uh, those incendiary balloons are, are landing in the south. These fires were mainly in central Israel. And that area of central Israel, uh, the Mateya Huda region, which is one of the regions there, the South African community actually has a partnership with them uh, through the Jewish agency and the Israel Center here. Uh, it's called the uh, the Machane. Uh, Yehuda P2G partnership together uh, and uh, we are connected almost like a twin city with that region in South Africa and uh, a lot of projects are actually done uh, between that region and the Jewish community so in fact they were here just a couple of weeks ago uh, with teachers and the teachers come here and they meet uh, South African teachers and I think they set up pen pals uh, with Israeli kids over that side um, and there's the Dilla and all of these sorts of things uh, where kids go there and and meet people and actually over time uh you know there's there's been all of these different initiatives that have been set up and I just thought it's important given that there is this connection between our community and this part of the world where they're having uh, all these problems including places like Kibbutzora which is uh, kind of famous for being a, a bit of a South African kibbutz as well uh, have all had these challenges with the fires and I mean the problem seems to be solved now uh, in terms of the fires um, and I don't know if there's much we can do as a community uh, for it but I do think it is worth taking a little bit of a moment just to to sort of um, take a seat back or a moment of silence or whatever it is and just uh, Think about the fact that we have these connections to people uh, who are so, or who are also going through a bit of a challenging time, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of South African connection to the Israeli fires that are going on at the moment. Uh, let's take a break, and uh, we'll come back. We're talking about beer. Howard was talking about beer, and uh, yeah, 
it's uh, we can talk more about that as well. Hi FM, one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. One hundred one point nine. Hi FM, Benji Shulman here on the new Blue Review. And I know it's not quite 10 o'clock in the morning yet, uh, but you may be feeling like a beer. And perhaps it's a beer that's very, very old. Well, if you are into very, very old beer, then you might want to have a look at the Holy Land. Because they are trying and have successfully been replicating beer that perhaps the Pharaoh, King David, or even Jesus might have drank during ancient times. And... They've claimed that this is a scientific process, scientific project, uh, which, you know, it sounds to me like scientists who want to do something fun. Uh, and it was a collaboration between Hebrew University, Tel Aviv University, Bar-Ilan, Ariel, and the Dead Sea Arava Science Center, along with an Israeli beer expert and certified tasters from the International Beer Judge Certification Process. And what it's all about is that over the last few years, there's been an uptick in people trying to put together ancient beer recipes that they found around. They basically look uh, when they find recipes uh, in different places. Uh, I know in Belgium they've been doing one uh, in, in different places. They, they kind of recreate uh, beers that used to be drunk in different parts of the world. The difference in this case, however, is the yeast because for all – of these other beers, they've had to use modern yeast strains that they got from the shops uh, in order to make the beer. And these guys didn't want to do that. They wanted to use uh, as close to the original as they could. And so they requested from the Israeli Antiquities Authority uh, a bunch of vases, uh, clay vessels, that had been broken and found uh, at a site, which turned out to be an ancient Egyptian brewery in the area of Tel Aviv. Uh, you knew that the Egyptians were in Tel Aviv uh, thousands of years ago. And so <clears throat> the Antiquities Authority gave them 21 jugs as old as 5,000 years, which they were then able to, to pull uh, the spores off of the side of these jugs um, and use those as the basis of the yeast. Uh, it turns out that the Iron Age Philistine jugs um, were, that were given to them uh, were were from a variety of, of of these sites, and apparently beer was important beverage for the Philistines because, first of all, it had a high calorific uh, content, but also because um, it was safer to drink than the water because who knows, you know, we didn't exactly have rand water back in those days, so the beer would be a safer thing to drink. And uh, apparently, your average Egyptian soldier would have drunk as much as three liters of the stuff. During a day, they also found a a vase which had uh, something which they thought was beer, but turned out to actually be mead or wine, uh, honey wine, uh, and that shows a honey basis. So, uh, and uh, although it's not the actual yeast that was being used, uh, it is sort of a a byproduct or a, a new revived spore. So, it's a very very interesting article. Go check it out. Israel 21C about the ancient beers that they're brewing. And with that, we come to the end of the show for today. Thank you so much for joining us on the new Blue Review. Thanks to Vusi, who helped us out with the sound. Uh, Craig, who pushes all the big red buttons. And Mandy, who does the production. We'll be back with you next week.